My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we think of our life with the Messiah, what, what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he is, he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, the, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. It's Wednesday, December, what is it, the 11th, the 12th, something like that, 2019. This is Messiah Matters number 281. I'm down in California. My name is Caleb Hegg. I'm not down in California. I'm Rob Banoff, and I just learned that my Skype, I can put little emojis. I don't know if everybody sees Yeah, we see that. Don't do that. Hey, but actually tap on your mic real quick. I'm not getting that audio. Okay, I'll fix that. Um, so I'm down in California and, uh, my family is enjoying a lovely time. Uh, Say something again. There it is. There it is. My family's, uh, probably actually my family's, they're enjoying a lovely time, probably walking into Disneyland, dragging me in, kicking and screaming because I hate that place, but, uh, that's okay. And, uh, Rob is, I don't know, enjoying a, a week off. Something. Yep. We don't know. We don't know. Okay. Um, well, uh, we got an email. Actually, so we have a couple of things we could talk about today, but I think what we're going to do is we're just going to go through our statement of faith. Um, we got an email, and I'll talk about that. Also, I have a... Uh, oh, this is the wrong one. I have another topic that we could talk about. So I think what we'll do is this will prob- the other topic will probably go up in uh, Messiah Matters. Messiah Matters More, rather. I'm sorry. Messiah Matters More. And, uh, yeah. Also, I should also say that, uh, right around next week is when the new producer credits are going to come out. So I know that Mike has been working on new, uh, artwork for our mugs and I would encourage everyone to keep an eye open. We'll probably send something out, put something on the Facebook page. I don't know. Uh, keep an eye open for all of that. And, uh, we will have new producers for our winter quarter. Winter quarter 2019-2020. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Uh, oh, you know, we should do a plug for a new reading um, course. Mm. Can we do that? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Uh, Andre Philippe Therain. I think I'm saying your name right, Andre. Um, An avid listener of this show, by the way. Here's one thing, Andre. I'm so One thing of all my enjoyment of of Andre is that I had to learn to put the accent on the letter E when I send him a note. <laughs> and right. I never, you know, me growing up in America, not using accentuation, of course, uh, Andre in, in French, you, you need these accents right. and in Spanish also. So that forces you to learn a new little keyboard stroke. So that's one funny thing. But anyway, uh, all that funniness aside, um, we are excited that uh, Andre is offering 
um, basically it, it it's an intensive reading class. Continued reading for both Greek Continued. and Hebrew. Yeah, it, it assumes that you've had Hebrew and Greek. Uh, well, or one one or the other. Or you one or the other. Sorry, there's a Greek and a Hebrew. There's two tracks. Right. You could do both. But uh, the requirement is some comp- basic competency that either you've taken the language courses at Tor Resource Institute or you've acquired that competency elsewhere, in which case you want to reach out, come come to our website or email us. We'll get you in touch with Andre and and he'll basically vet your skill set. Uh, and the goal is is just to continue to build skills in the original languages of the Bible. This is such a great opportunity, and it's so needed. Now, this doesn't mean that you everybody, this is not a call for everybody. We should all be encouraged to always learn. You know, Caleb and I, we were just talking about this, how in the, in the Gospels it'll say, like, Messiah, that is Christos, or Messiah, uh, Messias, right? Messiah, that is Christ, or uh, Rabbi, that is teacher. That there's this element of, that even from the Gospels and the, the epistles, um, Paul says in Galatians and in Romans, he says that, that the Father has put the Spirit of his Son in our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Abba, Pater, which is Aramaic and, Hebrew, uh, and uh, Greek. So the idea is that we're, we're drawn, even from the earliest messages of Yeshua and his Talmudim, to stretch our vocabulary, to learn new culture, new biblical, to learn and acquire biblical culture. And so part of that is language. It doesn't mean you have to be a master of the language, but <laughs> we should all be learning on that trajectory. But anyway. I love it how you're talking about language and you, you fumbled. Anyway, it's funny. Oh, did I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. I'm just playing. Go anyway, to Tor, just, go, just, go, just, go to com and you can yeah. sign up for uh, it's. I I think it's $105 is the early bird special. It's like a weekly a weekly reading uh, right. group. And uh, you'll be in good hands with Andre for. He is a polyglot for sure. Dude speaks like most languages. Um, okay. <laughs> So we got this email. Let's read this email. This is, a, this is a, you know, I love emails like this because I like it when people are honest and uh, and tell us that we could do better. Um, tons of respect to you, but dot, dot, dot. Thank you. This is by, from Hans, by the way. That's always uh, a fun a, a good way to start an email. Would you be willing to redo your recent What We Believe clip? Now, for those who don't know, we did an entire show on what we believe. It was very uh, fly by the seat of your pants. We kind of went back and forth on certain things we believe. Now, Hans brings up a great point here because this was not, uh, we we prepared for it individually, but we didn't prepare together. So it was very, it was, it was, uh, Rob didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't know what he was going to say. So I think that's what was really coming through. And what I did was I took a clip from that long show and I broke it down into, I don't know, five minutes or something like that. And, uh, he, his, the, the title of his email was that was too cringy to share. So he says, maybe perhaps produce a decent prepared video on it. I was really excited when I saw the title, but after watching, no way would I share it. It is really cringy. I agree with you both on what we believe, but it was so unprepared 
or disorganized, it looks bad when giving that kind of statement, in my opinion. <laughs> you both need uh-huh. to be better prepared when giving that kind of statement. I just It just sounded disorganized and thrown together. Okay, I accept Fair that. Fair enough. Fair, Fair enough. enough. And I, I think if you followed me around with a little drone, <laughs> you'd probably... I, I, most of I my life... Yeah, most of my cringe. life is cringeworthy. Right, I'm wondering how often you cringe. Um, I appreciate that. That's love. That's one of the reasons I have a That's hard time. That's love right there. That's love. It's like, dude, you know, that, I have was, a, cringe. that was cringeworthy. <laughs> I have a hard time going back. So I'm the one who clips this show. So for those who don't know, what, what happens is this show gets uh, recorded on Wednesday, usually live. And then what I do is as soon as the show is done, I take the rest of the day, I find four little clips that are somewhere around five minutes. I try to keep them under five minutes. And I clip them out of the show. And then I I uh, post four small little clips each week. At least I try to. I got to say, it is very hard for me to go back and watch it. To watch the show. Because I don't like it. It's All of it's cringeworthy to me. Because I'm tired, like I just don't like it. That's like me listening to my own voice. It doesn't even matter what I'm talking about. So if if something's prepared, like if I have like oh, if I get it, if I'm reading an article that's different, you know what I mean? Like if I'm presenting an article or something like that, it's a little bit different. But the show is is much more of a conversation than it is. You know, we're not we don't have a script that we're reading. So there's right. a lot of cringeworthy moments. But I but I agree with what what I'm hearing the brother say is. When detailing this particular topic, it would behoove you, <laughs> I've used the word, but it would behoove you to, to do a nice linear, you know, right step-by-step walk through it that so, would be clear and concise and easily follow, uh, to be easily followed by someone who might be brand new to, to absolutely. us. And so uh, many people don't know this. This is how you would find this, by the way. Go to, if you go to TorahResource.com, which I will put up on the screen, TorahResource. So go to TorahResource.com. And what you can do is uh, from TorahResource, there's a toolbar. Go to about, don't, if you hover over about, there's a drop down. But don't, don't go to anything on the drop down. Just click the about. If you click about, then we have a statement of faith. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to go through our statement of faith. One point at a time. Now, I don't know if we're going to get to this whole thing. There's a lot of it that uh, is, I mean, it's it's long, um, but it's not it's not overbearing. There's um, nine, basic nine. Nine points. points. Yeah, nine points. Right. These now, are the nine, you've heard of the five points of Calvinism? These are the nine points of TR. Uh, <laughs> here, here's the thing. Oh, let's make an acronym. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's the thing is that this was pu- put together. I believe my father wrote this. My, my father, Tim Haig, is the president of Torah Resource. He put this up. I would say, without a doubt, everyone who uh, works at Torah Resource and or is contracted by Torah Resource. So for those who don't know, Torah Resource Institute, we have uh, teachers that aren't full-time staff. We, we, uh, we, get them to give specific classes, but they're not necessarily on staff here. Uh, Andre would be one of them. So Andre's uh, a teacher that, sure. that we are now contracting to do this class for us. Um, and R.L. Berkowitz is another one. He's in Israel. Um, so I would say that everyone who works at Torah Resource agrees with our with this statement of faith. This is like the foundational basics of what of what we believe, I would say. 
Mm-hmm. You ready to go? You ready to jump in? Yeah. So I have uh, pulled up the website. So I'm looking at what anybody would look at. It's uh, TorahResource.com backslash about dash Torah resource. So that's the direct link. But yeah, like Caleb said, if you just click about, um, it'll take you there. Okay. Let's start at the top. Scriptures. Actually, you know what? Hang on just a second. Let me open up. I want to do the exact same thing you did. Torah resource. I want to open up the because I I edited my oh wait a minute, what's going on here? I edited my document just a little bit. Um and so I want to get to the same place here at um by the way, Tor we've been working on getting a new website up and uh I'm excited for that. Okay, here we go. So let's start at the top. Scriptures. Now I'll read it and then we'll discuss it, yeah? We believe that the scriptures by which we mean the Tanakh, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, and the apostolic scriptures, often referred to as the New Testament, in our times are verbally inspired by God through his Holy Spirit and are therefore without error in their original giving. They are God's final and complete revelation to mankind in which his plan of salvation is unfolded, and they are the only absolute and final authority for all matters of belief and practice. And I would... I would add on to that. When we say the Tanakh and the Apostolic Scriptures, we're referring to 66 books. Right. So this Correct. does not include the... We don't believe that the Apocrypha is part of the canon. Right. Nor Jubilees, nor Enoch, nor the Didache, <laughs> or any... Um, what other books are people... Uh, uh, Jasher, <laughs> Sefer HaYashar. Well, and, um, and it, it can go the other way, too. You know, we're we're that's that's talking towards um, the Hebrew roots uh, movement right. today. But but we also don't believe in rabbinic authority either. We don't believe the rabbinic writings are are God ordained or or they're not revealed. The Mishnah is. Yeah. I mean, the the uh, we touched on this a little bit the other day, or last week, I should say, <laughs> last week's show, that according to Orthodox Judaism, that's you know the. the based on rabbinic authority, that God revealed two—there was two parallel revelations given at Mount Sinai. One is the written Torah. The other is an oral tradition that the rabbis are the authorities of. We reject that. We reject that there's some alternative revelation that is part of God's will— you know what's interesting about that, though? And so at the at the SBL, you and I were talking about how Christianity and Judaism, if we look historically, Christianity and Judaism mirror each other often. You know, the rabbis around the, in the thir- around the third century, mid third century, fourth century, something like that, is when the Talmud starts to be compiled and all these kind of things, right? We we believe that's about when um, that's debated, but still, we'll we'll say around then. In the exact same time frame, you have the church fathers coming up. And Christianity says, you know, we were talking this morning before we came on air, we were talking about the Episcopal Church. The Episcopal Church, along with Catholicism, says that the church fathers received the authority of the apostles. And so they were the ones who were building the doctrine for the church. And what they said, it's as if they had the authority of the apostles. And the apostles had the authority of Christ— Therefore, it's as if they have divine authority. It's the exact same line that the that the rabbis use for the Mishnah. We received it from Moses, right? So I reject that as well. I mean, if you look at the church fathers, 
I I don't believe, and you know, I I know people balk at the the title Church Fathers. Okay, whatever. Let's for for ease of of speech, I'll say Church Fathers. The thing about the Church Fathers is is that they disagreed, just like the rabbis disagree. And not only that, some of them went into heresy. Tertullian became, you know, he was real into the new prophecy. And I mean, there's all sorts of different things that we could bring up uh, about the church fathers and their doctrines uh, that I simply don't agree with. So when we talk about the scriptures, when we, when we, in this first statement, what we're saying is there are 66 books of the canon. They are the final matter of uh, authority in the life of a believer for faith and practice. And, this and we is, believe that that's the that's part of Yeshua building his ecclesia. Absolutely, but it's really not. I mean, you could try to historically say how was the canon put together. You know, at SBL there was someone saying that this was a small Gentile sect that had the power of the Roman government of the Roman Empire behind them that by decree said this is the canon and then created this new religion. Well, that's that's a, what we would call a, a materialist or a Marxist presentation of history. We don't accept that. I can see why someone who doesn't believe in God would come up with that story, but we don't. We trust Yeshua's words, that he's building his ecclesia, that he sent the apostles out, that he um, sent Paul, and that they were all on mission, and they wrote what they wrote, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as they lived and taught the gospel of who Yeshua was, that God in the flesh paid for the sins of the elect. He now has ascended, he resurrected, ascended, and we'll get into those uh, aspects of faith in a minute. But that was crucial. That's the, the, the message of the gospel is that living um, truth, that new covenant heart that was, that regeneration that these first um, disciples of Yeshua had and that they were changed their lives for the rest of their life. The writings that we call the apostolic writings are their reflect their labors. Paul wrote more letters than what we have. I'm sure Peter wrote more, you know, but these are the ones that we believe and by the guidance and prov- uh, provision uh, and oversight of the Holy Spirit, have been preserved for us. Not now. Yes, maybe a council at some point affirmed it, but they didn't affirm it as a decree from top down. They affirmed it because it was the reality right. of of how God. It was evident that this is what the scriptures were, and this is how God was building His ecclesia. Okay, um, <clears throat> we should also note that this does not mean that we don't use uh, other works. In other words, there is authority outside of the Bible, but the Bible is the final authority. A good commentary can be a very valuable tool. It's not to say that there isn't, you know, there isn't other good things to read. Okay, let's go on. Number two, titled God. We believe there is only one true God we, who created all things. He is infinite in all of his attributes. This is a, this is a, a uh, doctrine known as divine simplicity. Anyway, let's keep going. He had no beginning and he is without end. We believe he has revealed himself in a plurality, which is a mystery, but is nonetheless to be received as a matter of faith. Yet, through, uh, yet though he has revealed himself in plurality, he is infinitely one. 
We believe that in the scriptures, God reveals himself as Father and as Messiah and as the eternal Spirit of God. And in the mystery of the Godhead, these three are distinct yet equal in eternal, divine attributes and are one God. We believe God is sovereign in all of his works and that there is no other sovereign equal to him. In his sovereignty, he is bringing all things to their proper end according to his omniscience or his omniscient plan. And uh, yeah, there, I mean, there's a word for uh, a lot of this theology. It's called Trinitarianism. We are unashamedly Trinitarian. Yeah. And then, and when we pray the Lord's prayer, this is what it is. Yeah. His name is holy, right? Right. Um, It's his kingdom. It's his will. It's his glory. It's his power. Right. Everything begins and ends. Right. With with, and that's why sovereignty of God is is such a core um, doctrinal truth. Yeah, we kind of hit two uh, two controversials there, didn't we? Uh, At least for the the Hebrew rooters. I I don't know why the Trinity is is coming under fire recently, but I've seen a lot of it. So um, we are unashamedly Trinitarian. We're also unashamedly uh, doctor believe in the doctrines of grace, what is commonly referred to as Calvinistic, or Calvin. We believe in the five points of Calvin. Um, yeah. Anything else on that? That was a quick one. Um, well, I would say the word attributes you might see in rabbinic literature the midot. And there's the 13 Midot, or there's, or you might see in the medieval Kabbalah, we talked about this last week a little bit, the Sfirot, this idea that there are these divine emanations that comprise God. This is not the same thing. Those are um, Neoplatonic kind of ideas mixed in to medieval Jewish mystical speculation that when we talk about the triune God, we're not talking about anything like that. It's funny though, because you have the groups like, uh, in kind of the intense Jewish world of Chabad, uh, of the, uh, the Chabad Hasidic community, the very acronym is a, is a threeness, right? The Chabad is the, uh, the acronym for Chokhmah, right? For wisdom, Bina, understanding, and Da'at, which is knowledge, Chabad. And they see those as the upper three, yeah. um, the upper three triad of the whole tree of life. It's Chayim, right? And it's funny that, you know, I wonder, I've never asked a Chabadnik about that, but do they see that as a trinity or not? Because it, it's, it's kind of interesting. Well, anyway. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, within... You know, within some of the heretical views of, you know, uh, that have come out within like Messianic Judaism, we see this, oh, well, I don't believe in the Trinity, but I believe in the, the 12 emanations of God. Uh, That, that is, that is heresy. Uh, and it shows that. That would be where it's a different God. Exactly. Like last week we talked about that. We talked about how God, you know, and I got a great email from Brother Ned just saying, yeah, in second Corinthians three, you know, like there, God is some, you know, in some cases he's preventing Israel from seeing the fullness, um, for his purpose. And that, uh, that there are branches that are broken off that we're not to boast against in Romans 11, we're told. And so in those cases, we, we too have to withhold this final judgment, but there are clear places where I think we're safe to say, and I think in the the magical Kabbalistic realm that we talked about last week, that it's 
uh, idolatrous. It's not, it's not the faith of Abraham anywhere close. And there are, as we talked about, those certain groups in Orthodox Judaism that would agree wholeheartedly that, that the Kabbalah is a, an aberration. You know, I, I said it last week, I'll say it again. Those that I've talked to recently, and this is my own personal experience, I'm not saying that this is like, this is my own personal experience. Those that I've talked to have, uh, who are pushing against or rejecting the Trinity, do not understand Trinitarian doctrine at all. I haven't found one person that says, oh, I don't believe in the Trinity, that I personally have spoken to recently, uh, who says, I don't believe in the Trinity, who understands any of the debates or or understands, I mean, they just, there's a lack of knowledge in what they're saying they don't believe you know, in. You know, I've heard, I've heard it say, well, nowhere in the New Testament is the Holy Spirit worshipped. And I said, and we're going to get to the Holy Spirit here, but that's because the Holy Spirit always directs the hearts of the regenerate uh, elect to Yeshua. There's a doctrine. <laughs> well, there's a doctrine within Trinitarian theology as well, which is that that uh, no, you never see uh, the the Triune God working independently. In other words, the Father didn't die on the cross, but the Father, the uh, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all involved in the cross. So every work that God does is done in unity. So if we right. worship the Father, we are worshiping the Son and the Holy Spirit. If we worship right. the Son. We're worshiping the Father and the and the Holy Spirit. When we, you know, when we see the uh, the 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 burning bush come, you know, in in Exodus, and Moses turns aside, I asked my father one time, and this is when I was, you know, beginning to look into the Trinitarian doctrine. I asked my father. I said, "Was that the Holy Spirit?" You know, and he said, "It was God. You can't. It was the Father. It was the Son, and it was the Holy Spirit. You can't separate them." And he's absolutely right. Um, so the idea that we, that the, the Holy Spirit is never worshipped is false. We worship God, therefore we worship the Holy Spirit. Um, okay, let's move on. Next is Yeshua. We believe that Yeshua, that is Jesus, is the Messiah promised to us by the prophets of Israel and that he is eternal without beginning and without end, and that he is yod heh vav in the flesh. This is, this is uh, a whole lot of uh, Trinitarian debate wrapped up in one statement. We believe that through the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit, Yeshua was conceived and born of, of the Virgin Miriam. Uh, we believe that he came at the appointed time in history, that he died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice for sins, and that he rose on the third day in fulfillment of the scriptures. We believe he rose he arose bodily from the dead and later ascended triumphantly into the heavens where he intercedes for his people as their high priest at the right hand of the Almighty. We believe that according to his own word and the words of Scripture, he will return again at the appointed time and will gather together all who are truly his. He will reign upon the earth in Jerusalem from where he will teach the Torah and all who are his will are his will walk in his ways. Boom. And amen. Boy, what a glory day, glorious day. What a glorious day. Think of all the injustice in the world and the, the, the evil that is still, you know, having, holding place. And that we know that he's going to come and set this right. Yeah, the thing that I want to point out is, is the, eternal, uh, the eternal nature of the sun. There are all sorts of uh, debates within the Trinitarian fourth century debates of, of Nicaea on you know, leading up to Nicaea, that is, 
on you know a lot of the trinitarian debates actually start at the, in psalm 2 oh right is he is he eternally subordinate or is he begotten or was he part of the father and then before time was created became the son and right. the spirit came out of the father or and the answer i think the true answer and the answer that we see here in this statement of faith is no God is and always has been Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In fact, I think that when it says that we were created in his image, I think the reason that we are able to bear children, that a father can have a son, is not because God modeled the son and the spirit after humankind, but rather because that's who God is. God is Father, Son, so he modeled humankind after that. So we see the the triune God within nature from the very beginning. Um, and I think it's always been that way. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Anything else there? No. no. We're cooking here. All right, let's keep going. The Holy Spirit, we believe that the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify our Lord, Yeshua, the Messiah. He does this by convicting men, regenerating those who are chosen, gives them faith to believe, indwells them, guides them, instructs them, and empowers them to live holy and righteous lives in accordance with God's holy Torah. We believe the Ruach HaKodesh, or the Holy Spirit, empowers those he makes alive to serve others in ways they could not do in their own strength and enables them to carry out the evangelism of the nations in fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise that all the families of the earth would be blessed. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, what, what, one other point on this, Caleb, I know you're grabbing your, your big old Bible there, is <laughs> is when we talk about Acts 1 and 2, right, when we talk about uh, the Shavuot after Yeshua's um, crucifixion and, and death and resurrection and ascension in chapter 2 of Acts, why was the Holy Spirit, what does it mean the Holy Spirit was given? Well, depending on, and this is a a plug for Tim Haig's study called I Will Build My Ecclesia, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend. Yeah, it's just a one. nice, in the introduction, he does a nice job of recapping different um, different historical timeline schemes in different church traditions. And, of course, the people who think, oh, it's a brand new thing, the giving of the Holy Spirit, it's a new religion, kind of like the, uh, the Adam Stanley, what's his name? The guy who, um, Andy Stanley, who said we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. By the way, at ETS, he got thrown under the bus a couple times. It was actually, they said, you come, you come to San Diego to get hitched (laughs) because it was a pro. It was, it was, uh, it was one that um, Dr. (laughs) Dr. Averbeck and Dr. Noonan uh, was, were part of that panel. Dude, that should be a shirt. (laughs) Get hitched. (laughs) Yeah. It's like. Without that, it's it's a complete misreading of the revealed word of God, the Tanakh, to come up with that conclusion that Andy Stanley came up by with. The, by the time this show airs, we'll have a shirt up on Torah Resource that says Get Hitched and something about the Torah on the back. Tell, tell Andy Stanley that you got hitched. The idea is like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and the idea is without, like, where would we be? First of all, you cut out the Tanakh, and then you have to cut out every reference of the Tanakh. I mean, it's just, it's, they called him a Neo-Marcionism, uh, Neo-Marcion, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, let's go oh, back. But aside, aside that, back to my point was, th- this 
little paragraph here about Ruach HaKodesh or Holy Spirit is Caleb is like, you tying a shoe? Man. I am tying a shoe, yeah. Go ahead. I'm this listening. feel off. He's like, my left shoe is just not as, <laughs> it feels the same. Um, <laughs> is that with the giving of the Ruach HaKodesh, it is God's next planned move to advance the promise of the unfolding of, of the fullness of times, which is, that's why I like the last sentence here, to fulfill in in the fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise, that the giving of the Holy Spirit at Shavuot cannot be properly understood unless you have the f- full context of the full counsel of Scripture all the way back to that promise. And, and Paul tells us plainly in Galatians that it says the Scripture preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. Yeah. And it says Abraham believed. Yeah. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's so it's you know what our when we when we love the scriptures like this and we we have clarity and we we're not divided with this this oh what's civil, what's moral, what's ceremonial or that's old and this is new and that's done away. When you eliminate all that kind of noise and all the it's like a you know that reminds me it reminds me of like a gymnasium with all these different obstacle courses you have to master. To, and it's like you know what clear that out really it's just a, a beautiful day where trees planted by the streams of water we can rejoice in the full word of god and just have that foretaste of this blessing that one day we're going as yeshua says in matthew 8 we're going to sit at a table with the patriarchs right he says they, they will come from the east and the west just sit at, at the table with abraham isaac and jacob in the kingdom like wow that's the opposite of unhitched. That's the opposite of what Andy's saying. That's hitched, man. That means these people from all across the world are becoming a hitched. Okay, you're it. you're getting back to the to point uh, two or point okay. one, the Bible. Sure. Let's let's uh, come back to uh, Ruach Hakodesh, the Holy okay. Spirit. I love this statement. Uh, my father writes. He says, "The Spirit does this by convin- convicting men, regenerating those who are chosen, gives them faith to believe, indwells them, guides them, instructs them, and empowers them." to live holy and righteous lives in accordance with God's holy Torah. Um, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I've been reading a lot on this as well. There's a great book called The Holy Spirit, um, and I'm, I'm about halfway through it. I don't want to try to recap some of the very interesting things that they say about Trinitarian doctrine and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, because I'm not sure I've fully grasped them. But one of the key uh, passages that that is used, obviously John is used a lot, John 14, John 16, right, to talk about the Holy Spirit that God sends. and uh, But another one is Paul himself in Romans. And he says, uh, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. 
because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So just, a, I mean, magnificent passage uh, show, showing the work of the Holy Spirit within believers and what regeneration is. Anything else on the Holy Spirit before we move on? Nope, good stuff. All right, next is mankind. Mankind, we believe that God created mankind in his own image and that he created them without sin. Adam and Eve rebelled against God, sinning against him, and as a consequence, all who come from them are born sinners and are therefore under God's wrath and subject both to sin and death if left to their own dispositions and designs. We believe that God created Adam as a biological male and Chava or Eve as a biological female, and that both have equal dignity, which is granted to them immediately from God, their creator who created them in his image. Furthermore, that the human race made up of male and female are all descendants from Adam and Chava or Eve and bear the same image of God in their respective biological gender in which each person is born. Therefore, to reject one's biological gender is to reject the work of the creator and even more implies that God has erred in his creative work. Such an assertion is blasphemy, for God is good and all that he does is good and he makes no mistakes. So there's, uh, in case there was any question on where we stand uh, in that debate, I think that that uh, should clear it up. I think, you know, once again, my father wrote this. I think, uh, obviously, my father, everyone who follows Torah Resource knows that uh, this this ministry was built on the Word of God, but uh, through the, you know, through the work of my father uh, and the work that he's done, obviously, he has a gift in, in uh, getting across what he's trying to to say um i think his uh, i think this last statement such an assertion is blasphemy for god is good and all that he does is good uh, doesn't that just wrap wrap up the transgender debate right there from i mean at least from our side right. if you believe in god and you believe that god's creation is good and god doesn't make mistakes to say i was born in the wrong body means that God made a mistake. He puts you in the wrong body. Right. And I remember, Caleb, at, it was either at ETS or SBL. You you walked me over to one of the publisher's right. displays, and you said, hey, look at look at this book. And it was a book legitimate. We were talking about the Episcopal Church. I think they, they ordain. Uh, they had a gay bishop and, and like, or, you know, um, Openly gay, like openly gay ministry. And, and so I flipped through that book and it's kind of legitimating this, at least what they call a lifestyle or no, they don't call it lifestyle. I don't remember what they call it. Some would call it a lifestyle choice, but, um, this behavior or these proclivities towards same sex or whatever that somehow because, and this argument was because the old Testament had been done away. In other words, they're moving. It's the next logical step from Andy Stanley because we're unhinged. Right, right. So, and in so doing, they're acknowledging that the Torah would condemn their behavior. But, but they're saying that no longer applies. Right. Yeah. If the if the Torah is done away with, then same sex marriage is not a problem anymore. That's basically right. their argument. That's their argument. And and the question is then is what they're doing is they're saying some sins are no longer sins. Because I'm sure they would say there are sins that are still sins, I would imagine, 
anything that would violate their their own conscience, they would probably you know call a sin. So, yeah, the the book that he's that uh, Rob's referring to is a book called The Bible's Yes to Same Sex Marriage, an Evangelical's Change of Heart. Basically, the idea to this is that God's that the New Testament, the God of the New Testament, is all about love, whereas the God of the Old Testament is all about law. Yeah, that's that's your Andy Stanley. That's your Marcionism, really. Oh, right. Um, you have you, it's like two different gods. Um, and so that's a that's headed for deep mischief. <laughs> well, there there's it's not only headed there; it's already arrived and set up shop at deep deep mischief, and they're selling books and T-shirts at it. <clears throat> I so, think that view is headed for a deep mischief. Walter Kaiser. Boy, I missed so, him this year. Anyway. So the difficulty then is back to, wait a minute, we're saying that sin is a problem with everybody. Even even believers still struggle with the, the sin nature. It's not like they don't have sinful nature anymore. Uh, and, it's just by yeah. the power of the Spirit, they ha- have victory and they're growing and they're disciplined by the Lord to produce being more and more fruitful for God's kingdom. This is Rosaria Butterfield's, uh, one of her points when it comes to homosexuality, and it's a great point. You know, uh, she she really takes to task people who call themselves a gay Christian or, you know, um, uh, yeah, gay Christian. In, in other words, like, you have people who, and I won't name names, but you have people who say, well, I'm a Christian, but I, uh, you know, I, I'm gay, and and therefore I, 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 I'm celibate because I, you know, obviously I'm I'm not going to try to sin or anything like that. Rosaria Butterfield says, well, we're all sinners. Why are you classifying yourself as a sinner? As some it, kind of special sinner. Well, it, or, it would be, yeah, it'd be yeah. like a, a man saying, I'm a, I'm a fornicating Christian, or I'm a, you know, I'm, exactly. a, I, I'm a porn addicted I'm a th- Christian. I'm a thief. I'm a Christian thief. Right, exactly. Like, why would you even... <laughs> What we're supposed to be is regenerated by the Spirit. In other words, we're supposed new to... Creation. New creation. New creation. We're supposed to throw away sin. We're supposed yeah. to try to distance ourselves from sin, not identify ourselves with sin. Especially things when that are big in the culture, like right. big in the, in the unregenerated cultural world. To adopt that as kind of an identity is contrary to, ado- uh, to expressing new resurrection life in Yeshua, you know. Oh, anyway, good stuff. Okay, let's keep going. Salvation is the next point. We believe that the death of the Messiah Yeshua was a sub, uh, substitutionary death, meaning that he paid the penalty of sin for all, all whom God has chosen unto salvation. Faith in Yeshua and his work of salvation, his death, his resurrection, ascension, and intercession are the only basis for sinners to gain a righteous standing before God. This right standing before God is granted to the elect through God's sovereign grace, applied by the work of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, through the application of the gospel contained in the scriptures. We believe that the means and method of salvation have been the same in all eras, that is, by faith in God's Messiah. That's an important point. Hold on to that one. All, regardless of their nationality, gender, or station in life, who are called by God's sovereign grace and who are therefore granted faith to believe, become members of God's covenant family forever. All who are children of God share equally in all the privileges and responsibilities of the covenant into which he has brought them. Yeah. 
I think the point about uh, right stand that that there the way of salvation has always been the same is a really big one for me for multiple reasons, but I think it comes back to God's holiness. I don't believe that God changes, and this is a, a large point within Trinitarian theology as well. God doesn't change, and if God doesn't change, then His holiness doesn't change. If His holiness doesn't change, then an offense to His holiness now was an offense to His holiness exactly. seven thousand years ago. It's right. always been an offense to His right. holiness because it's it's he's he's outside of time. He's, exactly, it's, and he's unchanging. Well, right, and that this is the same point of Hebrews eleven, and I know we hammer this, but Abel's faith was no stronger or less than Caleb, your faith or my faith, right? Or Abraham's faith. It's not a new religion that came with Acts chapter 2. Tease that out a little bit more, though. What do you mean by that? What I mean is the elect have always been saved, right, right, well, just oh, I get, okay, Genesis. yes, yes, the, I, I, self, I got it. Uh, righteousness has been reckoned by faith. Yeah, Abraham's faith is the same faith as, as my faith. Yeah, yeah, there's no, right. there's, he wasn't saved, and I think this gets back to that that uh, split of the timeline that, that the Andy Stanley or the Marcians say, oh, everybody in the Old Testament had to keep the law to please God. Right. Now, you just have to believe in Jesus to please God. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the idea, and this is a big one, I think, in Christianity still. I think a lot of people believe, oh, in the Old Testament, people were saved by keeping the law, and in the New Testament, you're saved by by faith, which we know is not true. Paul uses Abraham as the model of being saved by faith yeah. and not by works. And not only that, but— And King David. In Romans yeah. 4, he uses King David. So if you're going to say, well, Abraham was before the Torah was given— well, how about King David? He's Jewish, <laughs> you know? Well, not only that, but if, if if people were saved by keeping the Torah and people were actually able to be saved, why would God send his son to die on the cross? If people, I mean, that would mean that his... That's his, in that, right. Paul makes that note in Galatians. He says, if righteousness came through right. the law, Christ died in vain. Right. Yep, yep. Okay, let's he keep says, going. Yeah. Israel is the next one. We believe that the physical descendants of Jacob, the nation of Israel, are forever the chosen people of God, and that they therefore enjoy the temporal benefits of the covenant made with the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and may enjoy the eternal benefit may enjoy the hey. eternal benefits of the covenant if they turn to God in faith, accepting his Messiah as the means of their eternal salvation. We believe that within the nation of Israel, there has been in every generation a faithful remnant comprised of the physical descendants of Jacob and those chosen from the nations who demonstrate genuine faith in the Messiah and live righteous lives as a result of the Holy Spirit's work in writing the Torah upon their hearts. Though the nation of Israel as a whole has rejected Yeshua as the Messiah, God has not rejected them and will, in the last days, bring about the revival in faith so that all Israel will be saved. This is a quote from Paul. We believe that Israel has always been the focus of God's redemptive work and that those chosen from the nations who come to faith in the Messiah join Israel as God's covenant people, sharing in the same covenant privileges and responsibilities. Amen. This is what, I mean, and I think that uh, we've talked at length on this show before about what we call enlargement theology. My father has wrapped up enlargement theology in a paragraph, and beautifully, by the way. Um, this is, a, I think that this shows what, we, when we refer to 
enlargement theology as a, as opposed to and against replacement theology. This is what we're talking about. That the nations come and enlarge Israel as the covenant people of God, but do not replace Israel as the covenant people of God. This is one of the big differences that we would have with uh, a lot of, not all, but a lot of mainstream Christianity is this idea of replacement theology. Yeah, this is not a supersessionalist. I guess there was a panel at, at was it SBL or ETS, called post-supersessionalism. <laughs> you know, and so I, I, I didn't attend it. I don't know what they were talking about. But this idea of supersessionalism, right, that is out there, this is definitely not that. Although we have been accused of crypto Supersessionalism yeah. by I think it was Doctor Doctor Stuart Dowerman, who implied that there's this thing called crypto supersessionalists, for those who would say that the Torah is in fact for both Jew and Gentile, not for Jew to no, sorry not for Gentile to convert to Judaism. We would never assert that ever, but for to um, that the same laws apply. Yeah, the same laws apply. Some among the Messianic Jewish fold, and I believe I'm representing Dr. Stuart Dowerman accurately, he would say that there's a distinction, an ongoing distinction. The Jews have the 613 or whatever, and the Gentiles have less. And they, it's not that Gentiles are less valuable before God, but they're just different, and that those differences need to be maintained in the church. And I, I think, uh, I speak for all of us at Torah Resource Institute, that we absolutely reject that idea um, because that's built on post-biblical, it leans heavily on rabbinic tradition to to build up and maintain that and totally distinction. And it totally neglects Ephesians. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's keep going. we got two more points. Torah, God's teaching. We believe that the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, is the foundation of all subsequent revelation and is the touchstone of all proper faith and practice. We believe Yeshua came to establish the Torah in the hearts of all his people, not to abolish the Torah. And, yep, and that when properly understood, the Torah consistently points to the Messiah and teaches us of him. We believe the, the Torah reveals God's pattern of righteousness, of righteous living, rather, for all of his people in all times and in all circumstances. So there's no difference between before and after the coming of Christ. Since the word Torah has a basic meaning of teaching all of the inspired scriptures, that is 66 books, comprise the complete Torah revealed to mankind through God's prophets and apostles. All right. Caleb, I want you to preach right now Uh on the Lord's Supper. The, the Passover, where Yeshua says, this is the blood of the Brit Hadashah, which is shed for you. Right. And that how you see that Passover, the celebration of the redemption of Israel by the Abrahamic promise. Right. From slavery to freedom, how Messiah is unpacking that to reflect this greater truth that's embedded in the, the exodus of course right of new creation well we have we have this we have this in the abrahamic covenant right in the abrahamic promise he says your the, your people will be enslaved for 400 you know 450 years and so he's prophesying to and i two will bring them out i will bring them out he's prophesying two different things right he's prophesying the coming out of the people from under the slavery of Pharaoh into the service of God on the other side of the of the water. And he's also prophesying that in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed, so that 
we will be we will come out from under sin into service to the Lord Yeshua. What's the sign of the covenant? The co- sign of the covenant is the cutting away the foreskin, which is a sign of the virgin birth. So when Yeshua implements the idea of do this in remembrance of me, what he's doing is he's taking the first part of the covenant, which is that I will bring you out from Egypt under to under uh, to slaves to God as opposed to slaves to Pharaoh to now focus it on me. I will take you out from under slavery to darkness to slaves to righteousness under the the uh, the rule of the Messiah Yeshua himself. And there's a lot going on in that path. I mean, we could we could talk for hours about this. Right. I could, I could talk if for I could hours. do one more thing in Genesis 15. Remember Abraham, he fell into what's a, a, a tardema, a deep sleep. Right. And that's the same word where Adam was put in a tardema, where God took and built Eve. Literally, he, he built a woman, Bana. Uh, and in a way, is this foreshadowing what God is going to do when Yeshua says, I will build my ecclesia? That's, in other words, Ab- that's, that's Abraham thing. is in a deep sleep. He cannot... Abraham has nothing to say about this covenant. He has no input. He is, he is a completely in the side of beneficiary. He's not contributing to this covenant. Yeah, God okay. Himself says, "I will do this." You got to take it one one passage further because in okay. Acts in Acts ten, Peter falls into a, a, a it says trance or an ecstasy. It's the same ecstasy. Greek word that's used in the Septuagint for both of those times when Abraham falls into a deep sleep and when Adam falls into a deep sleep. And what is what is uh, Peter seeing? He's seeing the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's not just for the Jews; it's for everyone. The, so the the that the, word to fall into a trance or to fall into a deep sleep is the it, it's the needle that you know it's one of the many needles that pulls all the way through from the very be- from Adam all the way through for the for the new covenant. Oh yeah, beautiful. It, it, it baffles me that some people you know the atheists and agnostics think that this book was just written by humans. If you see all the intricacies from the very beginning through to the end, it's yep. it's amazing. Well, it's back to back to like. Uh... Ned emailed us the other day asking, you know, saying, hey, what about 2 Corinthians 3? I mentioned that earlier. Like, yeah, yeah. there's just a place where we're reading the same book. Right. But we've got different eyes. Right. You know? Yeah. Okay, last one. End times. We believe that Yeshua physically resides in the presence of the Almighty where he intercedes for his people and that he will return again with power and glory to bring history to its close according to his wise plan. When, the, when he returns, the nation of Israel will see him for who he is and will receive him as the true Messiah, mourning their sins and turning to God in repentance. We believe that those who have died will be resurrected at the coming of the Messiah, those of genuine faith to a life of blessedness in the very presence of God, but those who did not believe to judgment and everlasting torment, along with Satan and his workers. We believe that when Yeshua returns, he will reign upon the earth for a, millennium, for a millennium, and that he will rule from Jerusalem, where the temple will once again be the central location of worship. It is then that the Torah will go forth from Zion and the word of the Almighty from Jerusalem. Boom. Boom. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the one thing that we can pull out from here that, uh, that is debated in believing circles today is eternal punishment of the wicked. We believe in hell. We believe in the eternal punishment of the wicked. Um, yeah. Got anything else on that? God is just. Yeah, exactly. And and he's 
you know, Yeshua says he's given all judgment into my hands. And Paul writes, that's at the end of Matthew, Paul writes that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Messiah. And that I can't on that day point to Caleb and say, but Caleb told me this or, you know, or, but, but what about what that person did? And, or I, but I'm part of this group, you right. know, but I, but I belong to the such and such club. I was part of the Yahad or I was a sad, but I was a Sadducee or I was a Pharisee, you know, I'm a Catholic, yeah. which is the best of all the religions really, because we have the most rules and the best clothes. <laughs> no, it's as an individual. Right. right. And it's as an individual that we have to, that's that back to the conviction, back to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not convict an institution where it says he does this by convicting men. Those are individual convictions. Right. Individual convictions, not conviction. He doesn't convict a group. Well, he might he might convict a bunch of people at one time, but he's not convicting them as a group. He's convicting them individually because right. each individual has their own um, mirror to look into with their own sin. Yeah. Well, this has been fun, and it's been almost exactly the amount of time that we needed to uh, to go. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, keep you your eyes. Two goals today: get through the statement of faith and to fill up an hour. <laughs> well, I also we're going to. Uh, I think we're going to try to post. I don't know if we'll be able to do it tomorrow or not, but we're going to try to post a uh, a Messiah matters more for our supporters. So keep your eyes on that, and um, yeah. We'll be back next week. I don't know what in the world we're going to talk about. If you have something to talk about, call our comment line. Our comment line is 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also send us emails. Cheg, that's C-H-E-G-G, at TorahResource.com. Cheg at TorahResource.com. And thanks for the email from uh, the brother who... Hans, yes. For Hans. Thanks, Hans, for encouraging us to do this. I, this I, I'm... I really am grateful for this episode. Yeah, I think I I, I hope that it I hope it gives people an idea of where we're coming from. So whether you agree with us or not, now you can say, okay, at least I know where where they're coming from. I know where their starting point is, essentially. All right. Well, uh, we hope that this conversation has glorified our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, because Messiah matters. Mm-hmm.